we're talking about pre-meal prayer. Very confusing subject. A lot of people don't know when to pray, what to pray for, how to pray, who prays. Hey, do you want me to, should I pray? You wanna, should we pray? I don't know if, all very confusing. We're gonna cover it all today. Let's get started. Chips and salsa. Sometimes they bring it to the table before you're even seated. There's no need to pray for that. Lots of people wonder about appetizers. Do you pray for them? Do you not pray for them? No prayer is necessary for an appetizer if you have entrees coming out later. Salad, that is the most confusing thing on the prayer continuum. If it's a side salad or an appetizer salad, no need for prayer there. Now, if it's a main course salad or you're bringing it out with the rest of everyone else's meal, that then is gonna require some kind of prayer. But I put that kind of in a separate category. For the most part, when you're thinking about salads, just remember this, if it requires dressing, it doesn't require a blessing. Last but certainly not least, who at the table volunteers to lead the prayer. A lot of people operate under the most spiritual person at the table. They're gonna be the one that should pray because that prayer is gonna be the most powerful and effective. So if you got obviously a pastor, a missionary, even a Christian blogger of some sort, shoot, even a volunteer youth pastor, that prayer is gonna be a little less effective, but it's still gonna qualify. If you're just an average person sitting at the table with obviously more spiritual people around you, you're kind of off the hook because I feel like God would be like, hey, how come y'all didn't bless this meal? You'd be like, I don't know, ask the pastor, he works for you. <laughs> so everyone, if you need prayer help, just ask Danny uh, because he works for God. <laughs> uh, yeah, but my name's Carrie. Uh, I'm the student ministry coordinator here at Hope Ames. Um, and some of you know this, some of you don't. Um, I was a Cairo student not that long ago, just two years ago. I graduated from Iowa State. Um, and I spent a lot of time here at Cairo. And so it's really fun uh, to get to be back here and talking about something that I do find really important um, in life, which is prayer. And so what I'm really excited about is to join you in this series that you're on tonight is this pause, overcoming hurry. And so if you weren't able to be here last week or you haven't caught up on the podcast yet, Danny did a deep dive into this last week of what this series is all about. And it's talking about overcoming your hurry. So looking at like this busyness and the anxiousness and the worriness that's going on in our lives and taking a step back at that and noticing like, whoa, that's kind of leaving me on living on E, like living on empty. I don't have a whole lot left. Because when we turn to scriptures, we start to see this different way of life that, in fact, Jesus called us to live a life of abundance. He says, I've come to give you a life that's overflowed, and it's, it's just full of life. And so it's important that we take this step and this pause back to see, like, wait a minute. How are we going to get this hurried, busy life of ours to match up with the life that Jesus invites us into? In this uh, series, it reminds me a lot of the Psalms. Um, in Psalm 46, it's, it says God's defense of his city and people is where it's talking about. Um, and in it, it's describing this basically chaos that's happening. It says the nations are in an uproar. The kingdom tottered. The earth was melting away. Like if you think the Bible's boring, the earth melts. <laughs> but chaos is happening in the Bible. And we're talking about the chaos that's happening in our life too. The hurry, the rush, the busyness that's going on in our life. And so, okay, we've got chaos. The Bible has chaos. What does the Bible say about chaos? And just four chapters later, it says, be still. Like, what? <laughs> that's not what I do. I go on runs. <laughs> it says to be still. 
And so we all know we have the chaos. We've come into this room maybe and we have chaos. And so the next thing that the Bible encourages to do, it says to be still. And so I want each of us tonight, truly take this in. I know you're like, I've done this before. No, no, no. The spirit is here tonight. And I want you to take a deep breath in. And I want you to let it out. And the next half hour, the next 45 minutes, just let yourself truly be still. And the next part that follows that, and it says, and know that I am God. Know that I am God. How do you get to know someone? Usually it works best by you spend time with them, right? Like the best way you're going to get to know someone is you spend some time with them. And so our sermon tonight is titled, Time with Your Dad. And time with your father, time with God, time with all these things. We're going to get to that later. But it's just that we're going to take some time. We're going to spend some time with them. Because the best way that we can get to know them. And so maybe you've experienced, right? Like, so the next half hour, we're going to spend time with God. But what we're going to do is we're going to spend time with him. And we're going to talk about the ways that we can spend time with God that are beyond the walls of Kairos. Because hopefully you've come into this room before, you've come to a sermon or something, and you've just experienced like this goodness that you're like, I can't quite put my finger on what it is, but it was really good. For some reason, I didn't like worry about my worry for a minute. I kind of like felt some calm. But I'm going to give away the secret that it's not just because of the space that you're in. That is not just because of the the wonderful music that might you hear or the things that people have to say because it's not just, it's not about that. It's about the spirit that's moving within that. And so that that doesn't happen just within the walls of a church or of any ministry setting, that that can carry with you everywhere you go. Because remember, Jesus said, I've come to give you an abundant life. He didn't say I've come to give you an abundant one hour of every seven days. Or maybe you go to church on Sunday and so it's, it's two hours of your week. You can have an abundant two hours of your day where you don't worry about anything. And the rest of those, I need you to run on E. No, Jesus said to give you life abundantly. That every minute, do you believe that every minute of your day was actually designed to be amazing? To not be full of worry, to not be full of this anxiety that Jesus said, no, come to me and be full of this life. And so how can we take this awesome feeling that maybe we get to experience in a church setting and we get to carry it out with us into the world around us? And it comes through this activity called prayer. Now, it's funny because the word prayer, the activity of prayer, actually uh, is meant to be like very peaceful. But in fact, it's like that video shows that, in fact, prayer has gotten to be a lot of attachment with like these rules and who can do it and who can't. And then all of a sudden, instead of prayer being peaceful, it adds to the worry that's going on in our life. Like when we go to small group, maybe we're like anxious about the end of it because we're like, oh my gosh, I hope they don't pick me to be the one who prays. <laughs> or we're going to the dinner table where we're going to like eat some food and enjoy some company, but first grandma's there and she's like, okay, who's going to pray? And it's like all lies on the ground because you don't want to have to be the one who has to pray. But I want to speak some truth into that tonight because Jesus invited us and gives us this gift of prayer so we can take this good feeling with us everywhere that we go. And so when we talk about prayer, the first thing that we have to know is what is prayer. And the best way that I can describe it to you tonight is this instant communication that we have with God. That each of us have a phone. I don't have it on me right now. But you have this phone that it connects you to the people around you, right? Like it connects you um, instantly that you can share your thoughts. You can share your feelings. And it doesn't matter if they're available. They're at work. mm, They'll either look at it at work or they're going to come back to it later. That's what we have with God is we have this instant ability to share with him our thoughts and our feelings. The best way I like to think about it is in middle school, 
that's when like phones were first coming out, like my friends and we started having them. And I didn't get texting on my phone. I just like had the phone that was like, only you use it and only you call mom and only you call dad. But my friend Maggie was one of the first people uh, to get the phone that was like cool and it went sideways and you got to like text, but you had limited texting. But that didn't seem to bother Maggie. Like every month she was like hundreds over the limit of what you're supposed to be texting. <laughs> But I think it's so cool because of that infatuation, right, that she had of like, you could just constantly talk to these people all day long. And so I hope tonight you get this infatuation with the idea that we can constantly be in connection with the creator of the universe. That we have the new, cool, and improved, unlimited version of talking with our God. And when in the saying up here, it says instant communication. And that's the first thing I want to talk about. It's communicating. It's a tool. In fact, it's the most important tool there is in having a relationship. That it's the most important tool to flourish, to love, to know someone in a relationship. God gifted us that ability to be in relationship with him. Because just like God didn't put us on this earth to run on E, he also didn't put us on this earth to do it alone. He said, I have a purpose, I have a plan. And when you're gonna plan and you're gonna build something, it works a lot better when you're communicating with someone. In college, I did 12 too many group projects. Um, you're probably coming to the end of your semesters and you're in group projects right now. I see it. I see it in your eyes because it lives there. <laughs> I was in a semester one time. I was in five classes. All five of them had finals of group projects. You do the math. That's like 20 people to be in communication with. Group me's are a wonderful invention, but only if you use them. It's kind of like prayer. It's a wonderful invention, but only if you use it, everyone. And it's important to understand that it's not just a one-way street of communication. It says with God. It's not just communication to God, that God is somewhere up there and we're supposed to just tell him everything and, and it's just out into the abyss. No, God, he hears them, he receives them. Think of him, he's like the ultimate texter. Like the minute you send it, it says read. Now we're gonna get to the fact of uh, the responses that come from God. He does respond, but we're gonna get there in a minute. But I just want you to know that prayer is a really beautiful tool that's gifted to us to be in a relationship with God. So we're not doing life alone and we're with someone in this. And so maybe you hear this and you're like, communication, that's not my gift. I don't like words. I don't do that type of stuff. Okay, but still I want us to look at Ephesians 2.18 where it says, all of us come to the Father. That video we watched, right, it was like, well, we got to find the most holy person in the room, the one who has the most beautiful words, the one who has most all of this. And it says, no, all of us come to the Father. All of us were gifted a relationship with God. We were gifted someone to not do life alone with, and we were gifted the ability to not live on E, but to live abundantly. And we live abundantly when we are connected to our Creator, I'm taking some seminary classes, and earlier, uh, last fall, I was in a class, and we were talking about this book called The Idea of the Holy. And so we were talking about the word holy, and some of my classmates, they were in this conversation of like, well, like, this would probably be more holy, and this is less holy. And my professor interrupted us. He's like, what do you mean more holy? <laughs> They're like, holy is holy, he said. Holy is the most righteous thing. It is the most set apart already thing. Once it is set apart, it is there. It is W-H-O-L, like holy, whole. Holy, holy, that's what I'm trying to say. When it is already that. Prayer is a holy activity already set aside for us. It is holy, holy, which means prayer is prayer. 
that any word that any of us says in this room, it goes with the same spirit to our Father. I had this really cool encounter a couple weeks ago. Um, so maybe you've been to service before here at Hope, and it always opens with this. We say it's no accident that you're here, that we've been praying for you. That every single service, your prayer is truly prayed over. And on Sunday mornings, I have a little friend named Cohen. He's six. And he shows up to service an hour early every Sunday. And the first thing he does is he finds me. And he either jumps around a corner. He's like, did I scare you? And every time I'm like, oh, you got me. <laughs> or he comes and he like tugs on my shoe. He's like, here, here, here. I'm like, what's up? He's like, have you prayed over the chairs yet? It is the six-year-old's first question on a Sunday morning. Have you prayed over the chairs yet? And more oftentimes than not, I'm like, oh, man, no, I haven't gotten to that part of my day. And he's like, come on, let's go. It's like a drop everything that you're doing, and he races me up the balcony. And so first, let me show you that a six-year-old is leading me to prayer. And when we get to the top of the balcony, I start at the top, and he starts at the bottom, and we meet in the middle. And he always runs. Like, he, like, runs to the chairs, touching all of them. And there's a Sunday morning, I was just like, I'm curious, like, what he's praying for. Like, he always wants to pray. Like, what is he praying for? So I said, hey, Cohen, what are you praying for? And he gave me this look like, what do you mean? I was, he's like, God bless them. <laughs> I was like, Duh. Duh, God bless them. You're right, Cohen. God bless each and every person that walks through this door today and is going to take a seat in here. Know that that was a prayer that was given over your seat today too. May God bless you today as you're being still in this moment. Let God be with you. That this Cohen, he's six. God bless them, three word, is the same most powerful prayer that is going out as his mom, that is our worship director, that at the end of service is talking through a microphone and has beautiful spirit keys that are behind her. And it sounds so beautiful and it's so lovely, but it is the exact same power going out from her as the, her six-year-old son before service. And in the same way, it's the same power that is going out from each and every one of you as you're sitting at your desk in a heap of studying and you're like, Jesus, help me. Or you're in a hurt relationship and you're like, I don't know what to do. Or you're lost and you just say the name Jesus. I love that song where it just says, you can just say Jesus when you don't know what else to say. Because it is the same spirit that is moving in that. And when we're talking about the relationship of who we're talking to, it's really important in a relationship usually like to know who you're talking to. And so we're going to talk about that, which is we're talking to the Father. In that same verse, it says, now all of us can come. Where are we coming to? To the Father. And you see, it's really important that we understand who it is that we're talking to because it changes the way you approach someone, right? Like, I don't have children of my own, but sometimes I'm at Hope Kids and you see the way kids treat their parents or they treat you or me. And it's, uh, it's a lot different than the way I might approach, per se, like my boss, Hi, Danny. Um, or <laughs> the way I approach the president or whoever it is. Because it's really important we understand the perspective of who it is. And scripture invites us to think of it as the father. Because maybe you have God. He is ruler over all. He is king of kings. He is almighty. And yes, he is. But scripture invites us to another version of God, which is the father. Because you see, if we just approach God as the king of kings, he starts to be really far distant. It starts to be a very formal way that we need to approach God. And scripture says, he's your father. And that can say mother. There's feminine ways to, to talk about who God is. It's just what that really means underneath. It says, it's the one who knows you most. 
We do not want to limit ourselves to the father image of what we might have experienced here in our life because God is so much more. What that is saying, it says, you can all come to the one who loves you, sees you, knows you most. And when kids come to their father at Hope Kids, it is unashamed. It is just, tie my shoes. I need to go to the bathroom. I don't know how to read this. Mom, 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 they're pulling on you. It's pulling on you. Do you come to God like that? Because remember, let's go back to the beginning where we said we weren't made to do life alone. Are you allowing yourself to need God's help? Are you allowing yourself to be the child of God you were actually created to be so that when we are in this hurry and this mess and this chaos of life, are we just trying to do it alone and saying, you know what, I got this, I don't need anyone. And you see how it doesn't really work out very well because you weren't made to do it alone. God says, I want you to come to me and I love this picture because this is the way we can approach our father. With a hug, with no, with no boundaries of just, this is where I'm at. That's how a child comes to a parent. It says, I can't tie my shoes. It's where I'm at. <laughs> and they tie the shoes because <laughs> they don't want you to trip because they want you to have a good day. Are you coming to your father and you're saying, Lord, this is where I'm at. And he's going to tie your shoes. He's going to do whatever you need. Another way it says it in scripture, again, when you start to read things over and over in scripture, that's when you know it's like, maybe I should take importance to this. And so it says, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Pray to your father. Pray to the one who knows you, loves you best. Then the one who knows you, loves you best, who sees everything in you will reward you. Do you know your God? Be still and know I am God. How do you envision God? Who are you letting him be in your life? There's this thing, right? It says that you become the top five people you spend the most time with. When you come to know someone, it's this, you're spending time with them. Are you spending time with God to get to know him, to get to be more like him? The more I read about scripture, the more that's the only way that I want to live my life, to be more loving, to be more caring, to be more courageous, to be more bold. Yeah, I want to be like that. And when we approach him, it says this, he says, we'll reward you. There's a lot going on in this passage, but we're going to look at this reward. It's like a reward. I don't know where that's from, but I feel like I remember it. <laughs> but it's in the way that it's not like this, this trophy. It's like, well, if you come pray to me, then you're going to receive this. No, he's saying, because you come and spend time with me, therefore, you're going to start to see things a little differently. You're going to start to understand things a little differently. Because remember, the more you spend time with someone, the more you become like them. Are you spending time with Jesus to start to get this reward of seeing the better way of living, of seeing the more abundant, fulfilling way of life? Because he promises us that it will happen. And when we spend this time with Jesus, there's four things we're going to point out today of that happen when we spend time in prayer. And the first thing is presence. There starts to be that presence, that goodness in the room that we don't really know what it is, but it's here. It's, it's I'm not feeling so worried anymore. I'm not feeling so anxious anymore. Something's happening. There was a, a monk and they asked him, they're like, how do you pray? Because remember when you have status in the church, apparently you're more holy than the other. And so they're like, how do you pray? And he said, well, 
I first start with a time of complaining. And they're like, what? No, like, how do you, you're the monk. How do you, how do you pray? And he's like, I say, Lord, this is the biggest waste of my time and I don't know what I'm doing here. And then I choose some scripture to dwell on. And usually by the end of that, instead of complaining, I'm in a time of thanks. Because of that presence that's happening, we shift of where we're looking. We start to get this refreshing feeling of like, wait a minute, maybe, maybe, maybe everything's going to be a little okay. Maybe, maybe my father really is here with me, which means maybe, maybe I'm actually being cared for. Because right now I feel like I'm lost and no one's caring for me, no one sees me. But when we're in scripture, we start to notice someone's with you. And when we start to get that feeling of a presence, we start to feel at peace. It's this peace in Philippians 4 that says it passes all understanding. And it says when that peace shows up, what does peace do? It says it protects. What's that peace protecting? It says it will protect your heart and your mind. Right way. When I think about the worries, the anxieties that are going on in my life, it starts in my head a lot of times. Or the things that I'm struggling and I'm wrestling and I'm worried about, it's wrestling in my heart. Yeah, Jesus, I could use a lot more protection of you to come into my life that is like none other and protect me from the lies that are getting into my life. Protect my heart, Jesus. Protect my mind. He says, I will. And the thing about this piece is like, he's not saying, I will if you come to this certain area of the world or this life. I will if you do all of the other things. No, the thing that surpasses all understanding is the fact that it just shows up in the midst of our everyday life. Remember, Jesus, he parts the Red Sea because he says, we're not going anywhere. We're going right on through it, but we're gonna move the hard things out of the way. And so Jesus, he comes into our life like these winds and the waves, like an ocean. On the outside, it is absolute chaos going on. But when you get down to the root of it, there is continuous stillness happening in the ocean at all times. It's pretty peaceful when you start to think that even though I'm in the wind and the waves, the person who can make them stop, the person who can walk on top of them is in the bottom of this in the stillness with me. And then when you start to be at this level of peace and you start to see like, whoa, the person who can stop the wind and the waves, the person who can make my mess go away is holding on to me and cares for me. We start to get this perspective going on in our life. Because you start to see this bigger thing that's going on. It's a perspective that we didn't think we could have before. That they, talk, they call it a throwaway line, but it's, just, it's not throwaway. It's in scripture, but it says, and then God made the stars. I was reading something. It was like, the sun is like one of 300 billion galaxies. And then like that galaxy is like one of 100 other billion galaxies. But they're just like, we're just going to sum that all up with like, he made the stars. No, he made you too. All this beautifulness out in the world was summed up with like, and then he made the stars. And so when God says, and then, and then he made humans in his image. No, he made all of this cool, beautiful stuff, and that includes you. That's a really wonderful perspective to start to get to have as we spend time with our father and the one who loves us and the one who knows us. And when we start to have this perspective, it brings us to this power that you have to just start believing in because there's nothing else that can do. 
because the power of Jesus is like none other. It surpasses all understanding, but you know what? The power of God changes things. We just got done celebrating Easter, and it's where he sent his one and only son into this world. God came down, and he was with us, and he died, and he was rose from the grave for three days, and it says that kind of power lives in you. That the power of God is in this room because you are in this room. Prayer has power and it has the power to change our situations. It can change us from this overcome of hurry and running on E to a life of abundance. Will you let it? There is a... uh, uh, archbishop um, and he put it this way he said when I pray coincidences happen when I don't they don't sometimes seems to be the way that prayer goes and I wanted to share a story about a time that I had uh, some coincidence of a life happen um, in my prayer life so one of the ways that I like to pray um, is I have a prayer journal Um, I just like to write my thoughts out and I've had this for for a while and the other day I was kind of flipping through it well, a couple months ago, but anyway, um, on February 19th of 2017, okay, so this was five years ago, I said, I praise you unconditionally for leading me to hope. I feel at home. Breaking bread together with new people felt good, and a community I pray to continue to be a part of. Watch out what you pray for. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I am ecstatic that this is where God led me. But in that moment, it was just a throwaway line of my prayer. I said, I hope I continue to be a part of it. And five years later, I get to be on the team. We get to be buying land. The church continues to get to be growing. And it's a really cool thing that I can't believe that God lets me be a part of. But just know that the desires that you might speak in a word, in three words, have the power to change things if you let it. But then we have to talk about, right? Okay, so we've talked about this is prayer and cool, Carrie, you have this cool answered prayer, but I've been praying for some certain things in life and I kind of feel like this. Yeah, cool, Carrie, cool communication tool where no one gets back to me, cool. No, remember, God hears our prayers. God answers all prayers and like a good parent, sometimes maybe the answer is no. Maybe the answer is not right now. In my story here, uh, it was actually in November of last year, I had reached out uh, to, anyway, long story short, it was, they said, email Pete Smith. He's like the director down in Hope Ankeny, and they have a position for you open down there. Like, just email him, like, okay, hey, this is who I am. I'm wondering about this position. Pete Smith, he emailed me back. He's like, yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, that's already been full, but I know when God has a plan, it'll come through. And so it's November, and I'm like, cool. Cool, God, I was all ready to be on mission, do this. I felt called to this, and then it was like nothing. But then you come June 1st, and Pete Smith now works here as the Church Life Family Minister, and him and I are a team now. Within a matter of five months, God has the power to change things, the power to show up and give you a desire deeper than you ever thought imaginable. But yes, there are times in our life where God just seems to not answer. That God, I've been praying for you for this. I want an answer now. Or like, God, I continually said, no, I don't want this to happen, or I want this to happen And it was explained one time by a writer, and they said, unanswered prayers can sometimes be like when you're on a train and it goes under a tunnel. That it starts to get dark. But it doesn't mean you just hop off the train and you throw away your ticket. No, you trust the driver. Are you trusting the driver of your life? Are you letting there be a driver to your life? 
Because remember, we weren't made to do this life alone, that God says, I'm here to be a team with you. I'm here to partner with you on this. Are you letting there be a driver to your life? And are you trusting him? So we have this idea of, okay, what is prayer and, and what are the things that it can bring me in life? But, but how do I pray? And that's the reading that Alex read for us tonight in Luke 11. It says, one of his disciples came to him. And so first it's important that we know, like his disciples prayed before they asked this. They like knew what prayer was. They spent time in prayer. But the thing was, is something that Jesus was doing was different. The way Jesus lived his life, the words he was saying, there was something about him that they're like, I want to be more like you, Jesus. What are you doing? And he responded with this. He said, this is how you should pray, Father. The thing that we've been talking about all night, right? He says, goes back to make sure you know who you're talking to. Know your God. Jesus spent a lot of time resting and in quiet spaces and alone. He spent a lot of time being still. Be still and know your God, the Father. Approach him in all the ways that you would as the one who loves you, knows you, sees you most in life. Do this, Jesus said. Do this. This is the fourth time now we've seen the word Father just in a few scriptures on the screen. Again, Father, Mother, the one who knows me, loves me most, I need you. Because I was made for that. One other thing I want to talk about is if we're looking at this ways of, of things, if, if we're taking notes, we're wondering how it is that we can pray. How do we talk to God? How do we journal to God? One of the ways is, is through this thing called Acts. Um, it's, you can start with this adoration to who God is. And you know what? You can be a monk. You can start with the, you know what? This is a complete waste of my time if you need to get that out of the way. And let it bring you to a place of adoration for all the cool things that God is doing in the world. And then it brings you to a time of confession of, yeah, God, that, that wasn't the way I know that you've been calling me to be, but I want to be more like you. Can I be more like you? And then you go to Thanksgiving and you give all this thanks and this praise and then you end with this supplication. And you see, because you end still in a time of need, because we need Jesus in our life. It is the only way that we are gonna overcome hurry in our life. Everything else will bring you to exhaustion. Every single thing in this life will exhaust you to a point. Even sleeping, you've, you know, you've had this one day, you slept all day, you get up at 7 p.m. and you're still like, I'm exhausted because I've done nothing today. Prayer won't do that to you. Jesus will not do that to you. Jesus is the only thing that will overcome the hurry, the worry, the anxiety that is going on in your life. It is the name of Jesus that has the power to do that. And it is just his name that you need to know. Be still and know your God. The last thing I want to end with tonight is these are all spaces that Jesus prayed in, that he walked in. And these are all spaces that each of us here in this room tonight have or are walking in. I want you to pick a square that you are in tonight. The first one is the river of change. It's changing, it's trans, everything just, I can't get consistency in my life. I don't know what's happening around the bend. And Jesus, he was getting baptized and, and the heavens opened and he prayed in that moment. He was transformed. What is changing in your life? Are you changing right now? Maybe you're a senior and you're graduating and there's, there's change on the other end of this. Or it's summer and you're like, I don't really know what I'm gonna do, it's change. And right after that, Jesus, he went into the wilderness. It was dry, it was lonely. The, Satan kept tempting him in this spot and you just couldn't get away from it. Maybe we're there tonight. 
Maybe you're there. You just need a friend. You just need someone to hear you. You just need to be able to have the power to say, not today, Satan. Be still in that spot. Or maybe we're in the busyness, right? Of that true hurriness and you're a senior again and it's coming to an end and there's finals and there's tests and there's moving and there's all this stuff going on. You're in the middle of college, whatever it might be. There's just busyness all around us. Jesus, he went into the crowds and it was busy all the time. And, and we know what he did. He went and found a lonely place so he could be in prayer. You can take a step back from the hurriedness of your life. It's okay. Or maybe you're at the mountaintop. You have survived the semester. You have great summer plans. You have the relationship you've been looking for. Be there. Jesus sat at the mountaintops and he prayed there. He said, praise you, God, for all that you have brought me through to get here. Don't pass those moments by. Those are good things from God. Be still in the mountaintop experience. And when you're in those moments, be still and know who your God is. Spend time with the one who knows you, loves you best. To rid yourselves of the anxieties that carry us in this world with the one and the most powerful thing that will overcome you in the name of Jesus. And so tonight, I want to put us in the practice of prayer because I think so often the excuse we get for prayer of why we don't pray is I don't understand, I don't know how, and I don't have time. Tonight, we're going to make time for some prayer. That this last half hour, you've been still, you're with Jesus, keep holding on to that. And I want to just continue to put you in the stillness to remember and know that it is sweet goodness that the Spirit meets us here tonight. But it doesn't end here. It walks with you out the door that'll meet you in your apartment, in your dorm room, in your sorority, in your fraternity, in your classroom, in your family. The Spirit moves with you, before you, and beside you in all things of life. It's a gift to take with you. It's awesome to be led by it and to be found to it, but you too have the power to bring it into your today. Bring it into your wilderness and say, not today, Satan. Bring it into your busyness and say, not today, busyness. So I want us to put yourself in that square. I'm gonna say a prayer over us because again, sometimes words are hard. And again, my words are not like the right words. My words are just words. And then we're gonna end with the time of the Lord's prayer. It's gonna be on the back screen for us to end in the words that Jesus gives us. When you don't know what else to say, Jesus gives you the words. And we'll end with the Lord's Prayer. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of stillness, for the ability to be still. That when we put the rush of life down, the world still moves. God, I pray that you would remind us and give us the humble gentleness to say, you, God, have the whole world in your hands. And we trust you with that tonight. God, we trust you with the whole world in your hands. God, I pray that you would release the thing that is holding this student tonight to say, I've got you and I've got that worry and I've got that person that you're worried about letting go for. How are they gonna be cared for? Are they gonna know that they're loved? Yes, my child, they're loved because I love them and I love you. 
And I've so enjoyed getting to spend this time with you. And I'm excited to get to continue to grow in this story with you because I'm not writing this story for myself, that I invited you and built you into this world so we could do it together. God, would you invite these students to come and be with you, to be still and teach them of who you are, God, because you're so good. You love us in the highs and in the lows and in the fars and in the wides, Jesus. Lord, meet us there tonight. And Jesus, when we feel lost and we don't know what else to say, Lord, you guide us. You give us the strength and God, you give us the words that we're gonna pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen, Jesus. Amen.